live. And so that should mean that we are live. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Loose Cannon Show. Uh, I'm Anonfeg, with me here is Rhino, and this week we are breaking away from our unending <laughs> discussion of the <Lead laughs> journal <laughs> because, you know, it's a new season, and we're not even really going to be talking about the new season. We're going to be talking about just like one of the most interesting things that has happened in Destiny in the Destiny experience, in my opinion, one of the most like interesting, engaging things uh, in, a, in, a, in a while. Yeah, and apparently in mine too. Yeah. It's <laughs> like usually like when it's like they have the, the, the big secrets, it's like, or the big community events. It's like a big community event where it's like everyone just go play the game regularly. And it's like, yeah, that's fun, but it's not really like getting right. our hands dirty with it where where the, the is it presage 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 we just talked about how to how to say catabasis and now we have to look up how to say presage it's probably presage that's what Pres- i thought Pres- <laughs> presage 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 okay it's presage uh that probably came through <laughs> as well <laughs> uh so presage uh, mission because you know it's just like it's just there and it's like just figure it out it, it's there and it's basically it was set to a level where anyone currently in the season should be able to go in there no matter how much of a grinder you were because i had friends right. who were like 13 10 you know going into this mission and they're like don't worry i'm seeing swords too it's like a contest mode mission so it's just like it hurts a little bit but not a lot for everyone. So you're never you're never at a disadvantage. You're never at more of a disadvantage in that mission, which is so so nice to have. Yes. Yeah, bravo Bungie. That yeah. that made it so much more engaging for me. Um, <laughs> my wife and son and I, I mean mm-hmm. all three of us went in there, you know, just with a little bit of direction, you know, from the internet of what to do. Mm-hmm. And it was so nice just having it to be something that was accessible to all people, especially casuals like me, you know, it's just like wanting to jump in there and, and, and enjoy the new content. So I, I really, I really like that. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't a, an elite few people trying to figure out math problems on a mm-hmm. piece of paper and some, you know, corner of the internet for hours on end, banging their head against walls. It was no, it was like, here, go have fun. And if you find some extra stuff, well, more power to you. That's mm-hmm. that was what was really uh, kind of took me by surprise is that you go through the first time and you see what you see and do what you do, but then the second time you go through, there's something else or there's some other things mm-hmm. that you can discover. Yeah, that was that was awesome to um and and right away you're getting the random rolls, even if it's only once a week. Right away you're getting random rolls on your dead man's tail. Uh, but so you go through the first time, you get the uh, transformative Dead Man's Tale. You go through the second time, and I super suggest everyone go through, get some friends, because it's really not that hard. If you can just get two other people, like, just so you don't wipe, you know, there you right. go. Like, it, it's that simple. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to go through and have the scannables, like, look up Esoteric on YouTube. They have great. Uh, guides for things like that. There are five of them. They're not in difficult to get locations. They just require you to beat the mission. And uh, there's more scannables than than we can scan this week. So right. either it's going to be rotating or it's going to be 
every week more get added. I hope it's every week more get added and that one you can just go through on a single playthrough and just like find 30 scannables and just like have a super deep context of the mission itself. That'd be really awesome. But I, I can understand if it was uh, rotating. Yeah, I would hope that too. And, and, you know, honestly, I'm hoping that there's some other spot that we get to open up. I, I don't know if that even is going to be there, but uh, just from the way, just from the way they're playing and some, some particular passageways are blocked off, but they look like you could maybe go through there. Well, so uh, with, with the lore book at the end of every entry, uh, it has a uh, frenetic scroll inked on the margin reads. And in the case of the first one, smuggler switch is still working. Maintenance side hatch had to kick in the vent. So on your second playthrough, and I thought it was on your second playthrough after finding the five scannables, but apparently it's just on your second playthrough, you'll get the lore entry. Uh, on your second playthrough, you get a lore entry, the, the first entry which is a uh, Charon silhouette. And at the end of it, it mentions this smuggler switch. And so you go in a third time and in the beginning of the mission, there's a data pad on the floor while you're still in the vents. Yeah. Yeah. I and saw that one. you can s now on the third playthrough, you can actually open a door from that data pad and Get those data here. pads are everywhere. So you have, oh, you have 12 lore entries, each that has, uh, uh, he calls them um, uh, bug out bags, or is that what Drifter called them? That's what Drifter, That's called what Drifter them. calls them. Yeah, bug out bags. He's he's got a word for uh, his hidey holes and uh, yeah. dug out a spot under a refuse pit. It's still running, so be quick. Uh, time to making it's time to start making go bags. I yeah. think I'll carve out a spot near the hangar, opposite side from Quinzik's lab place is swarming now so it's like it gives you a little hint to which one it's talking about not that you're gonna understand what quinzik's lab is it's not like they have do they have names i'm not even sure if they have names Maybe they do. <laughs> you know i didn't even know i was in a lab yeah <laughs> i'm just like <laughs> i'm in uh, uh vents there's pipes uh yeah <laughs> there's the fungi stuff it's everywhere is that a hint yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not helping me it's green yeah the room is it's green blue. It's red. That would have That's been helpful. That would have been really yeah. helpful. But yeah, yeah, so uh we just want to go right into this. Uh this is there are people who uh firmly believe not to read lore, not to under like partake in the lore until they physically have it in game. And I can understand and respect that, but this is a twelve week gated lore. I'm not waiting yeah. that long so, to talk so about this. That's ridiculous. If you're if you're wanting to you know get this as it rolls out, more power to you. But yeah. uh, it's just spoiler alert. Yeah, and you know, uh, so yeah. Uh, before we get into the uh, lore book, do you have a uh, uh, yeah thing? lore card? Lore card, <clears throat> yes. Yeah, absolutely. What is it this week? I'll pull up an image. It's um, Atropos. Atropo. Yeah. So. Uh, this week I did this actually <laughs> this one runs deep for me because it pretty much tells the story of destiny of the destiny universe as a whole um, from the very beginning of the game we had items that were named after the the three sisters which are the Morai uh, they're the sisters of fate <laughs> which you know also means destiny in a way 
but the whole game is is under this premise that um your 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 destiny is been laid out for you uh but it's up to you to make your own fate and whether or not you can control that is the question and that's part of the whole game we're playing so what i like about this particular item is it goes back to this belief that <clears throat> your fate is being controlled by by three goddesses okay uh one of them is atropo and the other three, uh, one is Clotho and Laxis, if I'm pronouncing that correct. Um, Atropos is one of the three Morai in Greek mythology, the goddess who decided the fate of every human that lived on Earth. Clotho spun the thread of life, Laxis measured its length, and Atro Atropo cut decided when mortals would die. So... Atropos, Atropo, was one of the three Morai in Greek mythology. And these three main goddesses decided the fate of every human that lived on Earth. But what was interesting is they even held dominion over the gods, including Zeus. So he was even afraid of them. And Zeus was the, the main god uh, who kind of was like king god to everybody. But they are... Also, in some stories, the offspring of on I can't pronounce this Ananke, <laughs> which means necessity. I thought, uh, and, the, I thought the fates were the daughters of Nyx. Yes, they are. Oh, okay. but okay. but in another story, <laughs> um, they're tied to uh, the divine, and so that makes sense why they're using it here for this ornament for divinity. Which kind of was a neat little callback. So nice. The yeah. Mirai, yeah, the Mirai, aka Fates, they can, they, they, um, they basically, when you're born, your your thread of life is being spun by Clotho, and as you're living and going on your trials and tribulations, um, your <clears throat> thread is being measured, and then at the end, Atropo. She cuts your life. She cuts your thread and decides when you die. Now, this thing has come up in Destiny all over the place. Our enemies love to use these, uh, and we do too. But uh, it's a way to describe the Vex. It's a way to describe the Hive. It even comes up in a little bit of Cabal. Um, and maybe a tiny bit of Fallen. I can't remember exactly. But these ideas that the thread of life, the thread weaving, um, you know, all of these things that our enemies are talking about. It's all this <laughs> holistic type of Destiny Universe package thing here. So it's just a thing that I would highly encourage everybody to go look up because it's neat to know about this stuff and how it ties to everything in Destiny. Mm. Uh, anyway, so Clotho spun the thread while Laxis measured its length. The three goddesses of the, or the three fates, AKA the Mirai controlled the path that every mortal took in life. Um, Atropo was the eldest and dealt with the inevitable and unstoppable events in life. However, her main focus was on death, the inevitable fate of all mortal beings, Zeus, Poseidon, Hades, even they had no sway over the fates. 
So Atropos, or Atropo, and her sisters were the deciders of fate, while the other gods were merely enforcers. Some accounts tell that they were the daughters of Erebus and Nyx, and the sisters of Thanatos and Hypnos. Other myths claim they were children of Zeus and Themis. She also went by the name Asia, and both her Greek names roughly translated to without turn. The Roman equivalent of, of uh, Atropo was Morta, and along with her sisters, <clears throat> they also appear in the story Atalanta. So there's another weapon that pops up in Destiny. Uh, hmm. Atalanta was the huntress that, you know, they had to throw the golden apples at her feet to distract her while they were racing her in order to get her to marry him, stuff like that. So that's another story. But it's neat how much Greek mythology comes up in Destiny. But what's interesting about these three fates is we have other characters from other enemy races that have these mirror-type abilities to do the same type of thing. Uh, we see it a lot in the Vex where they weave, they stitch time, they cut time, they have a needle and thread. Uh, we see it in the hive, you know, with the, um, uh, who are they? Thorax's offspring, whatever oh, they were. Um, the Death Singers, uh, Ear Halak and Ear Nuke. Yep. So they stitched and wove. Yeah, remember fabric. that? That was badass. Yeah. They would they yeah. would they would sit at the front and end of the dreadnought, and one would stitch space away as it passed through, and the other one would stitch it back together. And it's like, uh-huh. what the hell? Just just fly. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah, and it's also neat because the Death Singers uh, have been described as cutting, cutting off your life, cutting uh, the thread of life, basically. Yeah. In in the lore, so it's just neat how much it pops up. So I have I have a question about this because this is an ornament for divinity, and I just want to know uh, why was Iron Man an inspiration? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I'm just I'm just staring at the. Uh, let's see if I can. Just staring at this centerpiece, <laughs> and it's and that's just Iron Man's like heart thing, and then it's got the red yeah. and, and and yellowish. Yeah, it really it really does look like an Iron Man weapon. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm assuming that they thought whoever the artist was, you know, looked at it and was like, "Oh, it looks like big scissors," you know, because it's kind of like open oh scissors. oh my god, yeah, no, I can really see that. <laughs> yeah, and so they were like, "Why not call it?" You know, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. The your lights. Mm-hmm. Well, what what was um. This was kind of good for me because I never had a solid explanation as to why they named divinity divinity. Well, and so uh, the Vex are divine. <laughs> well, sure. But if you go back and read the flavor text of divinity, um, it's three segments of text and they all describe basically the same principle of the fates. Oh, that's awesome. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was great. That. Yeah. So that was a nice one for me because uh, they they just see it in a different way. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna actually look that up right now. Yeah, let's put us put us back on for a quick second while I'm searching it. Oh, that's a lot of text. Never mind. Well, just the flavor text. Oh, all. just the flavor text. So it's calibrate yeah. reality, seek inevitability, inevitability, and then embody divinity. Yeah. Huh. So, 
So if you think so, about yeah. it, go on. No, no. So I was saying, so yeah, if you think about it and correlate it to the three fates, it's just the different view advantage or different way of looking at what they're doing. Because mm-hmm. also I mean, they seek perfection in a different way, which is just, you know, consume everything. It's also coming from the Vex, uh, specifically in the Black Garden, which, as we know, are like the follower, the direct followers of the darkness. Their their aim is to become the final shape. So calibrate reality, seek inevitability, embody divinity is kind of like how how do you become the final shape? This is what you do. But also, also, I just can't help but notice how often there are two enemy groups, I guess you could say that use this three phrase structure vex and siva ah, they always use yeah. this three phrase structure a b c Interesting. Uh, what was it uh enhance replicate enhance consume consume enhance replicate yeah so calibrate seek embody and then there there are other there are other uh three three phrase uh things before yeah, and we and we as guardians um, have items of of you know that that talk about this too. Uh, you know, like the hunter has a cloak called, which is funny because hunter already has a cloak called this very name. Uh, you know, Atropo. And also, <laughs> I want to apologize because I I only said Atropo because I was I was saying it like apropos. And yeah. I'm not sure if that's actually how it's pronounced, but you've been going back and forth and I, I feel like I messed you up. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I heard somebody else say it that way too. So I'm just trying to be polite to all the people out there that are saying it this way. So however you say it, go ahead. It's English, man. And we're Americans. So we have no authority, <laughs> obviously. Uh, yeah, I think Rasputin, I think Rasputin has used the three, the three phrase uh, structure before, but I mean, Rasputin is obviously tied to uh, Siva. So, yeah. Yeah. So there was that whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about it from a darkness perspective, I guess the influence of the darkness has created this, this um, way of describing things for everyone. Mm. So if the darkness is literally the three fate goddesses, mm-hmm. then there's something. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get into this mission. Uh, so I know we talked about it a little bit at the start, but I think it would be good to talk about the mission before we talk about the lore, because it, that is kind of like the intended experience. This is actually, I'm, I'm just now realizing it. This is actually as close to how it felt to do a D1 raid, where it's like, we're going in somewhere. We know very little about it, but we're going in somewhere after someone else failed to go in there. You know, it's yeah. like we're following Kabar. Well, we're far following the Crota Fire team. We're following uh, Katabasis. You yeah. know, maybe that's why yeah. I like it so much because it, it just well, feels so was, familiar. Uh, well, this was funny because. A lot of us had the name of the weapon before the mission all starts. So it was mm-hmm. kind of, for me, I liked knowing that I was going on a mission where it, it, the dude was already dead. You know? I didn't think he was going to be dead. I thought he was going to be alive. I just thought that was the name of the gun. 
uh-uh, man. You I know? knew that dude was going to be dead. So when they said Dead Man's Tale, I was like, yep, that dude's dead. It's not like that was the name of the mission. The name of the mission is Prasad. That's true. So I was just like, okay, yeah, we're going to go save Katapasis and, and uh, Gilgamesh. You know, I didn't know that about Gilgamesh. That uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was neat. Bring that up. <laughs> I I I can I have to have it in front of me otherwise I'm going to mispronounce it. I never knew Gilgamesh was a ghost. I've only ever known uh Gilgamesh as one of the members of the band uh the Mesopotamians with uh Sargon, Hammurabi and Ashurbanipal. Okay. That's all. <laughs> I I I'll slur the names together if I try to if I try to say it from memory. Uh-huh. There's, there's gonna be like two people listening to this that are like that's a, that's an amazing reference <laughs> no, no, everyone else is gonna be like i don't know what the hell he's talking about <laughs> uh but so we we go on we we go aboard the glycon uh on orders of zavala with osiris running point which i really like having osiris be such a uh, member of the vanguard now like even if he's not like what the Vanguard has become with Osiris being such a instrumental piece is really exciting in my opinion. Uh, and so we go on, we completely ignore the very open hangar to go to the very end of the ship where we have to sneak in through the vents for some reason. <laughs> and uh, we, we fight some scorn. We see some fungi. We see, uh, I, I missed it on my first playthrough. If it wasn't a scannable, I wouldn't have noticed it. There was that cabal hung up upside down, like right when you enter the ship. It's just right there in front of you. I ran right past that thing. There uh, is. I didn't notice that. Did you not did you not get the scans? Mm, I got the scans, but maybe I wasn't looking. Yeah. And uh So you you go through, you fight some scorn. You see the fungi, and then you 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 see the boss, and it was uh called the locus of communion, right? Yeah. And yeah. so the locus of communion is basically running off of the uh, ooh quality just dipped. Uh, either way, uh, <laughs> the locus of communion is like a copy of the hangman from the barons, and he is the ultimate boss in the end, and he was the successful experiment. Of Catalyst. He was the one who uh, is capable of communing with the darkness. And because of that, he spoke with the voices of the dead. Yeah. So, uh, I want to ask you right off the start. Uh, do you think that one of the voices of the dead was Catabasis? Or do you think Catabasis actually sent that message to us. I didn't think that. I didn't I didn't think either one of those. And now you're making me think it. But I, I, I thought <laughs> I just thought that that was coming from uh Locus. Yeah that's what I'm saying. Do you think Locus sent the message out as Catabasis or do you think Catabasis sent the message out and then died? No, I, I think Katavasis sent the message out and then died. Okay. But I think so. uh, the Locust was using, um, well, maybe both. But I think the Locust was using that just to talk to us. Because he was communing, like you said, he's communing with the dead. Um, which, note, it's Locust. So that's like your internal Locust, your brain accessing um, the memory of the dead. Not Locust, 
as in the bug or parrot, you know. <laughs> yeah. I keep having people tell me it's a locust. Like, <laughs> but no, he's so he's accessing the dead and communing with them uh, yeah. mentally, whatever that ability is. Um, so, yeah, I just thought he was talking to us as we got to the ship, but I thought the message got out to us as Katabas sent it out or intended it to. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm a little distracted because I, I have the stream up and it just keeps like buffering and stopping and buffering and getting all super uh, low quality. And I don't want that. I want it to be a, 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 a good quality where people can actually listen to us talk because you miss you miss 30 seconds of talking because it's buffering right now again. And, you know, you're like, wait, what are they talking about? Like, what's going on? So Sorry to say, worst case scenario, at least it will go up on Anchor. You can listen to it in an audio format. Um, uh, is it frozen? Maybe it's super delayed. Because hmm. I've been it talking. Yeah. It's got to be like be super delayed. delayed. Well, so I very much so believe that it was the Locusts sending out... Uh, the message saying come to the ship and i think i'm going to anyone who doesn't believe that i think by the end of this that we are going to change your mind because i spent the morning going through this lore book and just kind of noting down things and there's a huge thing that i missed on my first read through of this and like mm -hmm. i don't understand how i missed it but it's enormous so there's only one in my opinion possible answer to it and um so let's let's get into it let's go uh, the first entry is Charon's Silhouette. And so the first entry introduces uh, Katabasis and Gilgamesh, and they are agents of Callus. and uh, Callus calls on them. They have a job. He has a job for them. And Katabasis has worked with Callus before. He's actually, like, probably more accurately Callus's shadow than we are Callus's shadow, which is kind of funny. And so... Uh, yeah, goes, and just... And just real quick before we go ahead, uh, the funny the funny thing about Gilgamesh's name is um, in in folklore he gets his friends he gets his friend killed. <laughs> so the fact that they use the Gilgamesh name for the ghost is ironic, or is it ironic? It's it's something. <laughs> it's funny. And um, yeah, so. Actually, it keeps happening. So what we're going to do is we're going to reboot the stream uh, really quick. We're just going to stop stop streaming and then pick it right back up, and then we'll continue this conversation. Yeah. It's weird. Okay. So now we should be back, and hopefully there's no more buffering issues. So I'm just going to talk for a second just to make sure that we are back, everything's going right, and then I'm going to close this out, and I'm going to reopen the Twitch. And uh, so it should be back to good, hopefully. I hope it's I hope it's a Twitch I hope it's a Twitch thing and not a my internet thing because that would be really lame. If it's a my internet thing, it's probably the snow. It's well, you know, I've had this issue with Twitch before. Yeah. Okay, but so um, he gets there early. Apparently, uh, Tabasus and Gilgamesh get there early. And Callus shows them something that many people in the community have been asking for a long time now. What does Callus look like? 
Oh yeah. What is the true form of callus? And so, okay. uh, what an auspicious early arrival! Come, witness my containment. Few have seen this. Callus wheezes from inside the cage. His voice like taut suffocation. Callus's withering form swells and jostles. My thoughts stink of disgust, and he can smell it. I am no more trapped here than you are by your light. You assume this flesh satisf- satisfies me? How small. My automatons stand as monuments of my image, reflections of my breadth. They are as I am, one collective self, self as nothing is. So, Callus is like some gross, gelatinous thing, and it's later <laughs> even said that he has like a trans... I grit my teeth and look on, stepping sideways to see him from a different angle. His skin is mottled with sickly translucence that grips my stomach. I've seen Callus get called like he looks like the inside of what the Daleks look like outside of the machine. And it's like, yeah, that's that's kind of accurate. It's disgusting. Like, who is hmm. this this gross ass man? And <laughs> Yeah. Sounds uh, like a blob. Yeah, he's like some disgusting blobby thing. He's no longer it doesn't sound like he even has bones anymore. It sounds like he's Peter in Family Guy when he wished for no for not having bones and he was just like a yeah. sack of skin. That's that's how Callus feels. Cause also, think about what his automatons are. They are draped in his excess flesh. Like, what of him is is still there? It's it's just disgusting, gross <laughs> thing. And he he's basically just drinking planet wine as like as an invertebrate invertebrate creature now like yeah nothing like has a... nothing has made me not like callus more than hearing what callus looks like <laughs> yeah that's pretty gross so his true form i mean he's like he's just a blob he's and just me- a amoeba <laughs> yeah it makes me wonder was he that when he got kicked out like was he like this like weird gross amoeba because he he later on in this says he tried to emulate himself as the darkness is and i doubt that the darkness is a gross amoeba but in that he means uh to have so many versions of himself out there all all yeah, the same yeah. purpose and was yeah, that, that the sense. sacrifice he made like was that he became the amoeba by trying to emulate the darkness or was he the amoeba and then he found the darkness <laughs> Oh man. See, this is great because um for me and being a bungee nut, uh it goes back to, to Halo again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh because in Halo there is um the grave mind yeah. who is who is the leader of the flood. And the yeah. flood are just these like, you know, big blob creatures that infect whatever they want to and um take over their conscious and make them a part of the, you know, the, the grave mind. So they all share one collective consciousness uh, that goes back to the grave mind. But obviously, you know, that's just an archetype that can be used in any game or sci-fi lore, but it's just funny because for Bungie, it, it's neat because like they've kind of split that story up a little bit here. Mm-hmm. You have here, you have callous kind of like taking on a form, which is somewhat similar to, what I would think of an infection form from Halo's Gravemind or the Flood, mm-hmm. but but the way that uh, 
the way that the Vex are described as working collectively as one consciousness is how the FUD works. So it's kind of like they split up some of their stuff that they've already worked with yeah. in the past. I mean, everything is going to take inspiration from everything. That's just natural. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, but like the the plants, right? You know, we're going to talk about that eventually. But like the plants in the, in the mission, uh, they very much have that kind of appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, just the like flood. the flood did, yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so the flood are just these blobs, but they've got these antennas that mm-hmm. stick up that look like those plants. Yeah. And so, uh, what is, what has Callus uh, called Catabasis on board the Leviathan for? Well, he's gonna let you know that you know, season of arrivals came. The whole year of Shadowkeep was this this idea that the pyramids are getting closer. We had season of the Undying, season of Dawn, season of the War- Worthy, and then season of arrivals. They're here. They're in the system. There's physically pyramids invading four of our patrol spaces. And then at the end, the Traveler burst out with light, seemingly pushed it back, stopping whatever it was going to do, but the ones that were on the planets took the planets away in their place from multiple sources in their place is now an anomaly of darkness that is simulating the planet's gravitational force so nothing is nothing is out of whack everything is as it was except for the fact that the planets are no longer there and callus feels like he got played He's like, I'm the herald of the Black Fleet. I'm here preaching the darkness for what it is. They came, and they just left me behind. They didn't give me what they said. So now right. he's mad. He want, He's like, I'm finding a way to... I'm getting their number, and I'm calling and talking to their manager. Like, <laughs> Callus is going full-on Karen in, in, in this lore. <laughs> and uh, so... <clears throat> The first few entries here are a lot of setups, so we're just going to like kind of push through them really fast. I, unless there's something sure. uh, specific that... No, you know, no, no, you're good. Okay. And so uh, the second entry, Lust and Reappropriation Part 1, this entry introduces a scion named Quinzik, who does not answer to Catabasis, and a centurion named Bar... Bahar... Bot... He's called Bato. I'm not going to try to pronounce a couple of <laughs> names. Uh, and it also uh, kind of outlines the beginning of Callus's plan, which starts with stealing the Glycon Volatis, which is the ship that we go on. It was currently in Red Legion control, which is what Entry 3 is all about. The entry talks about how they steal the Glycon, but there is actually one very interesting thing, and that's when Quinzik sees another Scion on the Glycon named Eurix, and uh, Gilgamesh is telling uh, Katabasis, kill it, you know, kill it, let's go. And uh, Quinzik's like, no, Scions only, Scions hold their fealty to other Scions higher than the Cabal. And so uh, Scions fly many colors, but within the Cabal, we exist in Congress, moving toward our own future. She will recognize my contribution as I hers, Quinzik says, stepping forward. And so uh, Eurix is just like, yeah, you can take the ship. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> You're a scion. I'm a scion. Where the scions are working towards their own end goal, which was actually like kind of said in Season of the Dawn. Remember the scion flares? Yeah, yeah. They, they, they were uh, like, we're going to rewrite history, but not so that Gaul wins, so that we win. Fuck Gaul. Yeah. Fuck everyone else. We want to yeah. win. 
which is which 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 is in line with their capabilities. I mean, they have you know they have mental acuity that mm-hmm. they can they can move planets. They can um, uh, you know just like you said, they can try to rewrite time. They can yeah. try to yeah. Oh so, my god, I forgot about that. They were holding Phobos out of orbit, prepared to crash it onto Mars in D1. Like, <laughs> Scions are insanely strong. The fact that Cabal are dumb enough to think that the Scions are, like, their slaves and they have yeah. full control over the Scions, yeah. like, what the hell? Yeah. I, and um, just just for the D&D nuts out there, a Scion in D&D is so much of a different thing. It's like they they have the but they have somewhat of the same power like this i this ability to take over minds which mm-hmm. is really scary so if they bring any of that into here man look out yeah there's a lot they, of gone yeah good no sorry just because if they bring any of that ability into here where they're starting to take over the minds of our own enemies mm-hmm. that's going to be messed up cuz they 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 kind of do tease that a little bit when Quinzik speaks they're not just going blah 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 with their mouth they're speaking in katavasis's head and he's he, there's even a line where he's like i didn't invite you in here and it's like yeah so they can just get in your head as soon as they want you know scion Oof. are scion are secretly terrifying and i think i think uh just gonna say this so like we can come back and i can be like ding when it happens um <laughs> The end of the season, we're going to team up with the Cabal and we're going to team up with the Scions, give it a year, and they're going to break free and become a bigger threat than the Cabal ever were. Oh, I like that. And, and, then, be uh, the, and then be the the um, the leaders of the Cabal threat, I guess. Yeah. I mean, however it would, however it would uh, find itself to be. I like it. Well, they were one of the first uh, enemies, you know, as far as... Um, what I'm thinking of uh, concept art before the game actually came out. One of the first, really? yeah, one of the first uh, drawings was of uh, just what was supposed to be a scion. Mm-hmm. I don't have it in front of me, but they, that was one of the creatures they had talked about. So early, early on before the game was, was launched, it was definitely something that they were working on. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to know that, you know, the, the scions were always um, kind of like at the forefront of, of, what they wanted to do in game when they're just such a minor character yeah. <laughs> that we It fight. took five years for them to be realized or not yeah. even to be realized, but to be hinted at to become realized. Like yeah. I'm excited to see where the science go. I hope. And you know, things change. Maybe that was something that Bungie's like kind of this dipping their toes in the water right now. And maybe it'll never happen. Maybe they're just like, actually we don't like how that would progress the story. It doesn't work yeah. for what we want. And that's entirely fine. I hope it happens though. I think it'd yeah. be awesome. Well, I think there's just too much power that the Scions have mm-hmm. for them not to tap into some of that. I mean, they made the Nightmare Realm, that that uh, purple and black bit that you go into with the giant head of Callus shooting out the skulls. That's, a, that's, that's right. made, made that. by the that Scions. Whole entire environment. Like, <laughs> Scions are in- insane. People are sleeping on the Scions. Yeah, don't sleep on the Scions. And <laughs> so continuing forward, uh, Kallus's plan is going as expected. They, they got the Glycon. And so uh, entry four, well of absence, Katabasis and Bato have been capturing Scorn in the reef now to serve in Quinzix experiments. Bato is a blind loyalist while Katabasis is more suspicious and demands to know more. So they've been capturing all these Scorn and in the reef. And Bato is just like, 
those are our orders. We don't ask questions. We just do what we get told to do. And uh, Katabasis won't stand for that. So Katabasis confronts Quinzik about what's going on. And Quinzik is like, get get out of here. Uh, I don't answer to you. But he does let Katabasis in on the secret after knowing that Gilgamesh was not with Katabasis. That was kind of like a, like, is that a red flag? <laughs> yeah, so that kind of made me like go what you know yeah. when the drifter talks about how don't trust your ghost all mm-hmm. that stuff and and that made me really kind of like uh-oh maybe yeah. there is something to that whole because if the ghost can ultimately be swayed or, or or point you know like like he says if he could be pointed in any direction by his ghost or led on or manipulated in mm-hmm. any way that that's going to open up a can of worms and so uh, the plan is that the natural connection to the darkness made stronger. Their minds linked like ours, but without barons, there is nothing to fill them. That's what uh, Quinzik says. So the Scorn have a natural connection to the darkness because of their dark e- the dark ether they're made with. But they're also now learning that lower rank Scorn, so like Screebs, Raiders, uh, the, the flailing uh, lamp guys, you know, all those lower rank Scorn have like a hive mind. And they just listen to their chieftains. If they don't have chieftains, if they don't have barons to tell them what to do, they just, they don't do anything. And even chieftains might be low, like low. It might need to be a scorned baron at the top, like to control them. Yeah, that makes sense. It's almost, almost how Siva works. Yeah. Almost how the Taken work. work. Yeah. The Taken. Um, Yeah. That's interesting. And so Callus's plan is to capture a bunch of these naturally dark creatures that are mindless and have a, a form of telepathic communication and expose them to further amounts of darkness by going to the anomalies in place of the planets and then through them communicate with the darkness and say, hey, what's up? Like, you left me. Yeah. Where'd you go, bro? So that that's pretty interesting. Um, yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about that. But so so the big thing is Callus is using these experimented scorn to try to tap back into the darkness that mm-hmm. he feels um, uh, forsaken by. Uh, he wants. He, he's to... a jilted lover. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he 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 saw he saw the darkness at the Black Edge. Um, so back up to his his hole. Like looking at things from his perspective, mm-hmm. um, he was enlightened, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, by that whole thing, and then just sought to bring that on the universe mm-hmm. and be there at the end of everything. But now here he is thinking, "I'm at the end of everything," but then they just poop vanish. Yeah, and he's he's kind of like, "What the heck happened, man? I'm supposed yeah. to be the last." player in the game or the last you know guy at the table watching the plays of the game end you know and, and mm-hmm. you you robbed me of my ending and this is this this gets us to uh entry five feast your eyes which is like really where shit starts to go wrong uh <laughs> so they dock the glycon outside of the orbit of phobos which is now orbiting the anomaly in place of mars excuse me for repeatedly saying the anomaly in place of mars the anomaly 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 but it's very important that people understand that the planets are gone uh which will come up later as well uh Callus has come aboard bringing with him the crown of sorrow and the scorn haven't stopped making noise since its arrival 
And uh, so do you remember back in Taken King, we actually went to Phobos? Yes, I do. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, So in Taken King, Oryx attacked the Cabal, was it Skyburners, I believe? I think it was Skyburners, yeah. On Phobos, and then we go there and and experience the Taken for the first time ever. And ever since then, apparently, there have been Taken on that base. And so uh, Katabasis, I volunteered to clear the base of Taken, get out a bit, didn't even get a fire team together before we realized the damn things were docile. Have you ever noticed the Taken to be docile? No. Isn't that insane? So I missed that part. So yeah, so so you're just saying that that all the taken there just chilling <laughs> out, just chilling. Yeah, yeah. they don't care. Eating Cheetos on the couch, watching reruns of Brady Bunch. And I mean, we've had like leaderless taken before. We've had that exist, and they were never docile. They were always no. aggressive, even if yeah, they weren't ambitioned. They were aggressive. Yeah. So, do you think it's because of their proximity to the anomaly that they're docile? It could be. I mean, there's that whole neutrino scatter mm-hmm. lore, you know, talking about how sterile neutrinos need um, an agent of darkness or something like that. I can't remember. In a long, mm-hmm. in a long-winded way, they basically say that uh, what drives the taken is it, it's kind of like what you're talking about. You know, it, it takes a collective mind, uh, kind of like a. a it takes the the lead mind to drive the taken, but then they can take off on their own. Mm. So that was always kind of like, I don't, I don't get it, but um, that's, you know, me. Mm-hmm. I, I think that maybe the taken, maybe the taken are a part of, uh, or whatever drives the taken is a part of the darkness. And so like you're p- pointing out, the closer they get to that source, um, they're just waiting for directive. <laughs> yeah. Like the, the, the proximity of the anomaly is so strong that it's like blocking out any other pseudo directive they could have. Uh-huh. That, that's a good way to put it. So like, imagine everybody having remote control, you know, uh, RC cars in a mm-hmm. parking lot. And then somebody comes in with a big old radio transmitter and then nobody's car, uh, cars yeah. work anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, this is it's 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 blocking their communication. It's yeah, and so uh, I think this is actually just like really important to read. So they're 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 outside. They're in orbit of the anomaly in it. So against the anomaly, our little serpent ship was a worm, a speck, like a distant star you squish between your fingers. The bottomless pit where Mars used to be fills every starboard porthole. Crews stand in the viewing chamber for hours. Some get dragged out. The immensity of it, a planet-wide fathom of hissing dark, boundless, and us, planted on the edge of reason, it defies you. And then it goes on to say that Callus docked, uh, docked with us yesterday, his scribe not two steps behind him, pursued the stock, picked up the first one of what for what they're calling communion. And so this is where uh, they, they bring in uh, the, the crown of sorrow. Yeah. That's where it takes off, isn't it? Yeah. And so the Crown of Sorrow back in Season of Opulence was a trap made by Savathun to get control of, in theory, Callus. Uh, but Callus was too smart for that, so instead he put it on Galron. Mm-hmm. And one of the Scannables even mentions Galron being too pure for the crown, and that's why he got corrupted like he was. 
so entry so, oh, six okay. entry six is in the uh through the eyes of callus the kako kakoethis the hell is that word i meant to look that up <laughs> we need you know we need a source out there uh on the internet that just has every weird name and word in destiny just pronounced <laughs> uh so kako weathies if that came through in case that didn't come through on the on the show is an irresistible yeah. urge to do something inadvisable imagine calling yourself <laughs> Callus, the guy who does bad things. Yeah. Like, I don't think things through. Like, I'm doing it, but I don't know why. I'm going to be a bad guy, but I'm not sure why. Yeah. Uh, And so the Crown of Sorrow is used to control the scorn as a way of communicating with the anomaly. Callus expresses his disappointment in the success of becoming like darkness in the century. And so he, Callus actually mentions, I paid many lives to pry it free, talking about the crown of sorrow, free from the hive clutches, but it bent most agreeably its ability to bridge minds and bring them to submit. And so like, even without like the hive trap in the crown of sorrow, it's still got this like telepathic, uh, way to like connect to minds that speak telepathically yeah so that's something too because remember when galron put the um the um the helmet on the, the mm-hmm. whatever he puts it on and he immediately is connected to all the hive consciousness mm. do so, hive speak telepathic does everything speak telepathically except for us man i have no idea it's kind of feeling like that now I mean, not we, yeah, because we definitely don't. I mean, we, we have transmission. The fallen don't, and the natural team. cabal don't. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> and maybe uh, it's maybe it's telepathic races that are more uh, susceptible to the influences of the dark. Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. Hmm. Uh, so it, it goes on to say, uh, my counselors place their hand on the crown and focus cognition through it. They pry open the scorn's collective synaptic pathways and sew them into the fabric of the anomaly's mimetic sphere. There so sewing. basically tying the scorn's telepathic brains to the anomaly's telepathic radiation. Right? Does that make sense to you? Yeah, so the... So I think the key word that they're trying to focus on was like when they say mimetic sphere, mm-hmm. you know, so they're just trying to say that 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 anomaly is uh, very much um, it has a it has a mental, you know, like it's it's thinking. Like there's something to it, like it has mm. it has a, a force, you know, somewhat, I think is what they're trying to say. Oh, meme ticks. OK. Yeah. So maybe it's like, uh, <laughs> so maybe just like you're saying, you know, he's using it to try to, to talk to the darkness, uh, so that that bridge of uh, conversation can start. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you think about those, if you think about those anomalies uh, being, you know, able to uh, have a conversation with, that that's a little scary. Like if you're able to actually talk to the darkness in that way, mm. I mean, I mean, we talk anyway. to the darkness on Europa. I don't know why Callus didn't just go there. <laughs> <laughs> he could have just walked up himself and been like, "Hey, 
You don't have to go capture and scorn and do all this crap. Yeah, you could have just gone here to Europa and checked it out. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he just didn't think of that. Well, I mean, he is Callus the Catharithes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason well, he's Callus the Catharithes. <laughs> I mean, the Cabal are now going to Europa. Yeah, yeah, anyway. they are. Uh, one of my favorite uh, parts of this book is actually in this entry here. Uh, so Callus says, delight in me, I emulated all of me in your image, stretched my mind to live through so many, I reaped the pleasures of experiences of every vessel, but despite my sundry perspectives, I still only see through eyes, through o- my own eyes, and I want more. I peer into the dark nothing, you are oblivion, not a destruction, but a melding of that has come to pass. I wish to become as you are, to gorge on existence, to collect your promise to elevate me. My laughter is wild, all of my forms transfix on the swirling anomaly. Look upon me. And so, Callus has really become a mirror to Gaul. While Gaul was being obsessed with being seen by the Traveler, Callus wishes to be seen by the darkness. And Callus yeah. also mentions emulating the darkness. As we were talking about previously, did he become the amoeba because he's emulating the darkness? Yeah. And I want to say the Black Edge. Was the Black Edge an anomaly left by the darkness taking a planet previously? And the Leviathan, is it eating planets because he's trying to be like, I do it too, darkness? <laughs> like, I, uh, I take care uh, of planets too. Hey, that's a good thought. Yeah, because you know, in his own demented way, yeah, he's he's wanting to do everything that the darkness he has witnessed the darkness doing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if he if he became a blob on purpose to be like the blob of darkness to, to I mean, split remember, himself up, like remember re- remember in D one um, when we shoot the the black heart the yeah. garden you know and and just that's like, like weird... supposed to be the darkness and it's just this big morphing black blob of nothingness. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that, yeah, the darkness has been called the formless one. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe Callus is like, take out my bones. <laughs> I, I, I will have no form. Uh, you Bob can put Bob. me in a cup. <laughs> yeah. So if he thinks that's what it takes, he's going to yeah. do whatever it takes, I guess. Yeah. And his, he wants to transcend <laughs> but he's just kind of like uh, he's missing it he's missing the key component and uh, what's fu- what's funny to me though is how he knows not to take the bait of Sabathun. yeah um but at the same time he knows that that's the key to talking to the darkness and mm. so he's going to use that tool and manipulate the scorn in a way to commune with the darkness to be like, yo, what do I need? You know, what, what's going on here? What are you missing? But he's just like Clovis in a way where he doesn't want to be the Guinea pig. Cause he knows that, but, and, and then it, it's inevitable, right? And mm-hmm. it's an inevitable thing that's going to happen. He's going to have to just, you know, become one with the darkness I guess, be consumed by it. He's being consumed by it. Yeah. It, well, it's like when the it's like when the um it's like when the Siva Spicer leaders 
were being infected by SIVA and mm-hmm. they feel more empowered uh, and they feel more attuned with what they think is a godlike uh, experience. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's just their own death happening and the SIVA consuming them. And yep. they think that they think that that is they think that death that they're experiencing, that long, slow, drawn out death is how they get to godhood. Yeah. Because at the end with Axis, there was a lot of things that suggested that Siva was actually in control of Axis in the end. Yeah. But which so, in a, which in a way was just kind of him experiencing his own death, and he's he's thinking, "I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm. It's working. It's yeah. working." <laughs> so I didn't make that decision. He's still alive inside the body, which is like the scariest part about it. He's still alive inside the body, but Siva's making all the moves. Hmm. But uh, so uh, to finish this entry, it reads, I reach out as you showed me when we last met. I split open each scorned mind from my carriage, searching for you. Nothing. Every time. So I tear open their bodies, fitfully pulling limb from socket, mind from skull, scouring them from your presence. I search until the shrieking can only be heard from distant pens. I meet the eyes of each crew member who would not look away. In them, I see it. You peering back from the from behind the tension an observer. And so um, really quick, I just want to mention that he says, uh, I split open each scorn mind from my carriage. So the word carriage is actually mentioned uh, a few times. Uh, my plated carriage monitors. Basically, Callus is a blob. He can't, he ain't got no bones. He can't, he can't walk around. And yeah. so he gets carried in a carriage and or if you really want to probably the the best way to think about it is uh Cassandra from Doctor Who the skin stretched out in the PVC square oh, gross. and no, so like it. yeah so like he's just wheeled around he's got a carriage and he he mentions that he was ripping things apart so maybe he's got arms maybe he's still there physically but he needs people to bring him to where he would be or he needs effectively a wheelchair. And so, um, they were approaching the anomaly doing this. They were, they were bringing it closer and closer, exposing the scorn to the anomaly. And that brings us to entry seven, which is kind of just a catabasis history. Uh, is remembering the red war this was a turning point for Catopsis because so uh, this one, uh, you know, he, he was a guardian. He fought for the city. The Red War happened. His light was gone, and he was so scared that he ran. He didn't know where Gilgamesh was, but eventually Gilgamesh found him, and then they ran together. They were not there to fight. They were gone. Yeah. But uh, the most important thing in this entry, in my opinion is in the end. Uh, frenetic scrawl inked in the margins read, Nightmare's back. Took months, but it always comes back. In force this time. Every night since we took our cargo, they've been howling. I swear they are three decks down, but you can still hear them. Gil's been wandering the ship more. Time to start making go bags. I think I'll carve out a spot near the hangar. Opposite side from Quinsic's lab. Place is swarming now. And so... They, they're, they're on the Glycon. They're still outside of Mars's, the anomaly of Mars's orbit. And he's like, I need to get off of this ship. It's not going well. 
Yeah. Which brings us to entry eight, uh, Acheron's Archeron's. Yep. Uh, wall. <laughs> and so through the eyes of Catabasis, uh, they approach the after approaching the anomaly, Callus appears to have died, and the ship is being infected with the fungal flora that Osiris calls Sarcophilus growths with a core of darkness. These are the same plant that is seen on the Drifter's derelict. So if you if you go into Gambit, look at the Drifter, look behind him, you'll see the same plants that are on the Glycon on his derelict. He's he's got them like in a cage. And back in season of the Drifter, when you can go behind that little mm-hmm. wall. The whole place was filled with them. Yeah, exactly. And so, and just like somebody had to point this out to me because I was genuinely trying to ask a question on Twitter, what was going on with the plants in Glycon ship versus what's going on with the plants and mm-hmm. on the drifters, uh, derelict ship. Um, he's had those plants. Yeah. Um, before the nine gave him the hall. Yeah. And so the hall has those plants actually coming out of it as well. So I yeah, I didn't I'm notice wondering. that until you posted it. Yeah, so I'm wondering cuz I always thought the hall brought the plants to Drifter, mm-hmm. but in in the cutscenes and the videos that we see, he had the plants before the hall was attached to his ship. Mm-hmm. Uh or he had something, but he had like you can see him wiggling back in the background, the actual plant stems. Uh, so when the hull was attached to a ship, whether or not that was just on, an oopsie moment by Bungie, uh, regardless, he has the plants on the ship. Uh, but he went to the monolith, and he also witnessed other beastly forms in cages that were trapped. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like, it kind of all goes back to that uh, story of when he was being, uh, when he was witnessing the darkness but what stood out to me is um how he was able to transcend uh his dependency on ghosts and break his connection or his dependency on the light mainly uh Mm -hmm. because if 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 we if you remember in the lore how it talks about the three three people that the nine said uh were able to do it was an hourglass infinitely counting down and uh, a blade sharpened anew and then the drifter right Mm -hmm. and so if we think about all three of those being uh elsie the exo stranger eris and the drifter all three of them they all three have managed to break their dependency on the light you know i never thought about it being elsie that's a good point so if you think about the exo stranger being the hourglass counting down and then Eris being the blade sharpened anew because even her, even she says, this is not my final shape, right? You know, she's even talking about, you know, this is not, you know, and we've seen that because she touches clarity and her ghost turns into this super ghost or whatever it is, the orb, sorry, rock. I think, I think it's, yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, yeah, I know (laughs) I'm just for people out there with doubt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so it, so there are three examples of what it's like to live without uh, the light, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's a, that's a that's a really good point. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Anyway, I had to I had to go back to that. So 
but if they were able to, if you think about it in a way, they're able to do things that we haven't been able to figure out yet. And we're just now starting to learn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, which this is all about this, you know, the darkness. So what we're experiencing now in game is all about learning about the darkness. So it makes sense, you know, that these are the driving characters for this story arc to continue. Mm -hmm. and, and what we're learning about in game is the whole dark side of everything. Yeah. But yeah, to go back to the plants, um, <laughs> those plants, it, they're tied to the drifter, but they're also tied to uh, what's happening on the Glycon ship. So they're and, tied and, to the darkness. Yeah, so they're tied to the darkness, right? Yes. <sighs> so, And I think we'll, we'll see a bit more about how they could be tied to the darkness in, uh, in this. And uh, so I'm sure people who are, who are watching, who are listening, they just heard me a minute ago say, Callus appears to have died. Uh, right at the start of this entry, it, instead of calling it Callus's carriage, it's Callus's tomb carriage overlooks the viewing chamber once again. That's the first <laughs> time it's been called that. That's the only time it's been called that. Basically right off the yeah. bat saying, Callus died. Like, yeah, I didn't get that the first time. I had you to I had, had yeah. it took me took you pointing that out to me that Callus has been dead this whole time. Yeah, so it like even the that. little, little part where they say sarcophagi, you know, like they were peeking out of the sarcophagi, which that's a hint to his tomb, you mm -hmm. know, his. So he's basically King Tut just floating around. <laughs> so, so yeah, actually, let's let's go back a little bit. So Osiris calls. No, I'll, I'll get back. I'll, I'll get back to it after. I'll get back to it after. Yeah. I have a big yeah, final point after. to make with all of it. So Callus' sure. tomb carriage, um, blah, 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 blah. They, they, they got close to the anomaly trying to communicate. It appears that Callus died, except for the fact that fewer, fewer crew members attend this communion after so many failed attempts. So they've done this several times, and it appears that Callus is dead. But also, uh, a little bit later... Uh, it says the sound of Callus's feverish multifold laughter drowns the holes groans for mercy. So it sounds like Callus is dead, but his automatons exist like independently of his, his organic form. Yeah. So, you know, take that how you will. Um, but more importantly, the gold from the Castellum on is flush with tarnish. The gold from the Castellum they're talking about is the gold that the Crown of Sorrow was plated with, uh, stemming right. from some kind of lichen that had burrowed its way into the precious mellow metal adornments since the last communion. communion I attempt. love it. I love yeah, it. That was hard to say. Well, okay, so this is great because all of the new uh, all of the new weapons we're seeing have this appearance. They're gold, and they've been stained by this green stain. Do you think that's what it is? It has to be. I didn't I think, think of that. I think that's why they're pointing it out. Oh, man. Because all of the new weapons, the default shader is this gold, this, like, tarnished gold with this green stain on it. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, and so... Uh, Katavasis says, I thought gold doesn't stain. It's an expression of purity. And Gilly says, uh, like the light. And Katavasis says, yeah. mm. and so, I grew up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's like, huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, I see what you're going for. Like, there's this, like, yeah. dynamic with uh, Katavasis and Gilgamesh where they keep making the bad choices. They, they are the Kathawises as well. 
Yeah, exactly. No, that's perfect. Yeah. I'm going to use that word all the time now. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, Kiri, uh, Bato raises his voice over the intensifying chatter. Your ghost speaks to the scorn as much as they can. Curious, that's all. Looking for an angle, something we can use. Ain't that right, Gilly, I ask, trying to hide my suspicion. Gilgamesh says nothing. Iris, Iris frozen ahead as the viewing curtain completes its retraction. Velocity surges forward to the anomaly, tearing away the surrounding reality. The sound of Callus's feverish multifold laughter drowns the hole's groans for mercy. It's different this time. Not a passage. It's a wall. We crash hard, but not all at once. It's a steady, tumbling impact, always down. The cosmic bands bend around us and shudder as they're drawn into thin, bright needles of diminishing relevance. Peripheral obliteration mainlined and burnt through. The space between each needle of light expands until it is. The transition is like a reluctant membrane, a depth of souls frozen over the and wailing. The ice grinds against itself in the ec- <laughs> yeah, whatever barrier, barrier uh, between form and expression. We cross, sunless, of drift on empty currents with no direction. So... I just yeah. can't express it enough. Mars is not there. They right. went through the anomaly and they are somewhere else now. They are not they are not there. They're gone. Mm-hmm. And now they're they're drifting wherever the hell they are and uh someone, I don't know who, says, "Where's the emperor?" And I mean, it seems like he was already dead, so I don't think it matters. <laughs> uh, that's funny. It, yeah. It's it's almost like a wormhole, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, like, can you, wormholes in media, at least, are always like it's this big hole, and then you go in it, yeah. and it's just like a highway, and you go. Right. But what if that's that? It's like it's crashing, and it's beating the the hell yeah. out of you, and it's like a wall that you have to break through, you know? Like in like in the movie Black Hole, if you ever watched that old Disney, I, I have Disney, which is yeah, it's a Disney flick. It sounds like a space horror. Mike, I made my kids watch it because it was one of my favorite movies watching as a kid. And then when I watched it as an adult with my kids, I was like, why did I subject this horror to my children? (laughs) 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 Because the end is basically uh, them travel, him going into the black hole and just being shredded apart and torn into like millions of dimensions of just weird surrealism and being spat out on the other side. But what's funny is in reality, what we have learned over the years about black holes is black holes are no more holes than they are actually black spheres that are stuck in space. And if black holes are spheres. Yes. So it sounds like the anomalies are black holes. Exactly. So if you think about spheres as black holes is actually spheres and anything that crosses over the event horizon becomes consumed by the black hole. It's not really becoming a consumed. It's almost like saying, it's almost like saying everything that makes up you and your matter and your molecules and your atoms becomes um, uploaded to the sphere of black hole. Right. That's crazy. So what, what scientists have learned, uh, you know, over the years is that basically everything, all the data that makes up you and that it just becomes 
stored on the black hole. And that black hole becomes so dense with data as it's sucking in things. You know, it doesn't really suck in things. Things have to cross over that event horizon. There's no gravity, right? Uh, but anything that gets close enough will become a part of that dense sphere of black hole. Mm-hmm. And then eventually radiation will leak out. So once it becomes loaded with so much it can take, eventually it starts spewing out radiation or you know, antimatter stuff like that, and then, uh, and then, boop, that's it. So, I'm I'm sorry to I'm sorry to get so off topic, but it's gonna bug me. Uh, what was that movie? What's what's the proper term? Um, what was that movie where it's the kid and the he he teamed up with a group of um of little people, little person, little persons. Um, and they 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 were fighting like evil itself, and oh, then they, yeah. they win at yeah, the yeah, end yeah. of the day. Love that movie. And uh, then his, there is there is there like in the microwave there is a piece of evil, and his parents yeah. touched it, and they exploded. Yeah, <laughs> I think Spoilers. about that movie all the time. I think about that movie all the time because a lot of the writers and people that work at Bungie are fan of the movies too. It, it's called Time Bandits. Yeah. Okay. And I'm um, gonna watch that. It, it's it's a great movie. There's this there's this like lump of charcoal that yeah. is in <laughs> yeah in in the uh, microwave, and it basically represents uh, everything evil. You know, yeah. the darkness, right? <laughs> that's 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 what made me think of that. I was like, this is just like, what is yeah. this movie? Because yeah. I watched that when they're I was jumping, like nine, and it just like traumatized me. Yeah, that movie. There's another movie that was, you know, kid supposed to be kid friendly, but it's pretty horrific if you show it to kids today. Yeah, like we I were. Mean, there's there's a fine line between horrific and not talking down to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. You try not to talk down to them, but you actually just make it traumatized. Yeah, of course. I saw RoboCop way before you should have. I mean, I I watched a bunch of ultra violent films. Is RoboCop before violent? They had, yeah, it's ultra violence. Really? Um, they had they had all kinds of films that didn't have ratings back then. You know, we didn't have PG or none of that. And so, if you went to the theater, you just went to go see whatever you want. And it, and it took some other adult to say, "Don't let your kid go there and watch that." <laughs> kind of like buying video games. Yeah, exactly. And so I saw a bunch of inappropriate stuff when I was a kid, but um, then again, it was a different time. And, uh, but, but even the kids films, like a lot of the kids films uh, were, were kind of dark, man. And just not, I mean, even Tom and Jerry cartoons, you know, cutting each other's heads off with axes and beating each other over the head or shooting each other with a gun, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, we know that's all cartoons now and we have a different way of explaining things. Yeah. yeah, different but, times. Yeah, different times. But yeah, Time Bandits necessarily been better. I'm gonna watch Time Bandits. I haven't seen that it, since I was a kid, and it messed me up. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, uh, they're going through time, air quotes, because mm-hmm. it's not really. But yeah, it's more like parallel dimensions or something. I don't know what. Yeah, see, like just but, talking yeah. about all this stuff just reminded me of it. It's like going after evil itself, and like going through dimensions and and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and then you get spat out yeah. in some other place. Like, wouldn't it be funny if Gallus found himself falling out of the sky onto a pirate ship? <laughs> and all of a sudden he was a part of some, like, storyline. Yeah, for, that's Davy Jones. Know. Yeah, Davy Jones. <laughs> uh, 
Let's uh, so uh, to get back on track. Entry nine is called uh, Heretical Flesh, and it is through the eyes of one of the scorn. And so this entry is through the eyes of one of the scorn, previously named Acris, aboard the Glycon. They hear whispers, but don't listen until the Locust speaks to them, guiding them to salvation. So it, it it's kind of like a, an interesting uh, read. It's like dormant, bound, knock, threat, storm outside, rain, soft first, flashes show shapes, shapes I know, the knock is stronger, gentle whispers reach from me to all, as father, as fickerel. Barons, Kells, gone, another voice. The knock is insistent, pressing, fear and confusion. No. The mind beneath one, this one screams to the surface. Nothing, scorn, a son, fallen, elixni, king. Acris does not bow, arise, commands, the voice buried in whispers. Acris does not bow, but Acris is dead, peeled away. The spine of the glycon breaks, its vertebrae now interchanging. Scorn howl to the herald, the crossing into nothing. Howl to herald the crossing into nothing. Through the locusts, they hear the whispers and obey. Meet salvation. Yeah. So the locusts apparently was the singular... Through the mission, we learn that the locusts was the singular successful scorn experiment to communicate with the darkness. And because of that, the locust speaks in the voices of the dead... And maybe it's because of that, or maybe it's because it's Scorn, but this Scorn that was once Acris uh, decides to listen to the Locusts. Mm. And then that brings us to entry 10, uh, Blood in the Barrel. Uh, this entry, uh, Quinzic believes severing the connection of the crown will bring them back from wherever they, wherever they are. Bato thought it was to destroy the scorn, but is convinced to let his loyalty to Callus go. Uh, so it just right away, weeks bleed away. Wherever they are, they've been there for weeks with with the the cabal fighting these rabid scorn that we've seen. And um, you know, it's uh the original group of Katabasis Bato or Katabasis Bato. Quinzik and Gilgamesh, and uh, so they they pass through an anomaly and are somewhere else now. Severing the crown's connection appears to be the plan for return, uh, and to convince Bato to leave Callus, he's he's saying, "I pledged my life to Callus, and you want me to forsake him. I know a thing or two about abandonment. He used you to get what he wanted, just like he used me. He's gone, Bato, and we're close to follow." Where does one leave your bloodline? So really reinforcing the concept of Callus being dead, right? Like, do you, do yeah, you agree with that? Absolutely. Like, it just, Yeah, absolutely. Now that you point that out. See, that's great that they tell this parallel story to end everything with Catabasis. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and it shows, it kind of ties up everything that Callus has kind of been doing, but in a, like a little microcosm way with, with Catabasis and, and his fire team. And, uh, mm-hmm what happened and what he experienced. So yeah, absolutely. And so it says, uh, we make it to the ship's bridge, howling howls track us down every hall. And the bridge is where we end up finding Catopasis, isn't it? Yep. Okay. I thought so. I seal the door with the command key and meet Quinzik beneath the command console. at the entrance of the viewing chamber, she stands encircled by 15 loyalist soldiers. And so basically, this is their attempt. Quinzik is going to try to sever the connection of the crown 
assuming that severing the crown from the anomaly will transport them back from wherever it is they are. And so they have uh, 15 loyalist soldiers surrounding them. And so it actually then later said 17 defenders back to back with Quinzic and the crown. I don't know where the other two came from. <laughs> I so, don't know. Unless don't worry about it. Going. <laughs> the, the, the scorn start flooding in. They're fighting. They're fighting. Uh, you know, the scorn. Imagine having to stay in one place and protect, actually protect someone. Remember that? Like back in D1, it was always protect the ghost, but you can leave the ghost behind and go hide in the yeah. corner. <laughs> Imagine yeah. if you had to protect the ghost or it could die. Um, yeah. And. To really give you the the insight of how horrible this is, the shrieking recedes, scraping metal echoes through the viewing chambers as a wave of darkness tremors through the glycon. Every unburnt scorn seizes and begins to reconstitute. Soldiers panic and fire into heaps of writhing bodies, hoping to stop the process. In-game, if you kill the scorn, it's dead. In right. the lore, they're zombies. You have right. to burn them. Yeah, you have to burn them away to ash. Imagine that if we had to use solar damage to fight Scorn. <laughs> you just have to reduce them to, to ash. Something that can't be reconstituted. <laughs> it's insane. Though. Yeah, okay, yeah. Imagine, to make it easier, imagine if you had to use energy damage to kill Scorn or they just came back. Because, like, you yeah. can arc away, you can void away, you can solar away. That, you know, those are all fine. There's no coming back from that. Yeah. That's interesting. That'd be, that would make the Scorn, because right now the Scorn are creepy and they're annoying, but they're not really, like, a terrifying enemy. They're just powerful and annoying. But if they just did not die, unless you killed them with an energy weapon, they would be the, I would hate them so much. Yeah, that would be pretty bad. Like, if they just endlessly came forever... And you couldn't do anything about it unless you you supered them each time or energyed them each time. <laughs> and so That'd be uh, rough. it's it's not it's not looking good for them. Uh as they're fighting, two fetid abominations uh start moving in on them. Those are the big hulking ogre like yeah. scorn for any who don't know them by name. Uh, Quinzik cries out. I spin on my heel to see her engulfed in black flame and the cosmos racing around us. She spreads her pain to us to hold on a few moments longer to no avail. The Scions can share their pain with you. That's messed up. <laughs> Isn't it? Yes. Uh, I look back to Bato, deeper past him, in the nothing, to the hulking silhouette dragging the flaming sensor, and I know this is where we die. And they do. Yeah. <laughs> the scorn kills them all. But luckily, Catabasis uh, is a guardian, and the scorn didn't kill his ghost. His ghost was able to hide. Yeah. Which brings so we're us, able to see that. Yeah, which brings us to entry 11, Solon. Catabasis uh, is left to born the Glycon. There's no food left, and there's nothing left to do but to die. He asks Gilgamesh to carry his light until they're out. So it, it just really immediately uh, starts this entry with, It didn't work. Truth be told, I had no way of knowing if Quinzik even finished what she was doing. Gilly said it took days to find a safe place to bring me back, 
the big one they all follow was hunting for him. So the big one being the locusts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I make a task of committing the cabal bodies to burial. The costs are heavy and I don't get everyone. We try to keep hidden using the smugglers holes where I've stashed go bags across the ship. All it takes is one of them seeing you. Uh, later on, and that's just like not read everything. Uh, I'm alive and old. Get up. Gilly's voice is thin. Why? There's nothing to do but starve. Giving up again? You'd rather I just left you here? I roll myself to face him. I'm not giving up. Just take my light and hold it until until there's a way out. You know I used to think we were a way out. Us. Together. But we're just stuck in another cycle. There's nothing to eat, Gil. You don't feel the emptiness chewing at you. Promise you'll leave me be until we're out. Gilgamesh looks at me for a long time without speaking. I close my eyes. I promise. And so I want to ask you, what do you think take my light and hold on to it means? Yeah, so I think <clears throat> this goes back to the way we used to try to describe the concept of how ghosts and guardians work in concert with one another. And, mm. um, you know, like if you imagine the ghost and the guardian as parts of a car, Mm-hmm. And you've got your engine, you've got your, your light that drives the car. Um, and so there's this like dependency on one another to feed the ghost, to give you, uh, your light back in the, in, in the event that you just go away. Right. Mm-hmm. But there comes a point where just like we saw in the Crotus fire team, where mm-hmm. everything's been stripped away, you cannot transfer that light back to your garden. So guardian. So, in order for the for the ghost to get out, uh, he has to take a spark of you. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like his battery charge to get you know to get out. That's what we thought, anyway. Yeah, that's an that's an interesting take because when I was reading that, what I was thinking more about is like we have guardians, we have Osiris, and we have uh, Eris, who are guardians without their ghosts that appear to no longer have the ability to use their light. But we also have guardians like Shin Malfer, who, as far as we're aware, unless Bungie decides to turn it all on its head, lost his ghost, but was still capable of using his light. And part of me wonders if take my light and hold on to it until, like, can the ghost take the light from the guard it can a ghost hold like is there like some line where it's like you can lose your ghost this way and still use the light but never be reborn and or can like you know i don't i don't know i don't really know what i'm trying to say i guess it's hard to explain find out next time on this can <laughs> <laughs> It's just like hard to explain because I'm like trying to understand why some uh, guardians still have their light and others don't. Maybe Shin is just like us using stasis. Like he had it within him and he was like, I have this and he used it anyway. You know, maybe it's like that. Yeah, could be. And I think that's kind of like the that's the underlying thought with most people is it's, it's you have to have that spark within you in order for that to to be attached to. And I mean, right. uh, think of, think of uh, Tevis Larson. We go into the black garden and we take his light. We literally uh-huh. took his light from him. So he still had his light. So yeah, just, but it didn't matter because there was no way of bringing him back. Yeah. He lost his ghost, but he still had his light. Yeah. So Osiris, so there's something neither there. has his ghost or his light. 
is what I'm saying. Yeah. No, you're right. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And that brings us to Entry 12, Debtor's Knife. And uh, Debtor's Knife is through the eyes of Gilgamesh. I linger on the corpse of my once guardian. I've hidden his shame for so long. I believed it was my obligation to be the warmth when his fire died. But now I see that obligation was a leash to keep me tied to life. It is a cold, coiled, choking reality, and I will hang gasping from it no more. Uh, Gilgamesh has been on the Glycon wherever the anomaly brought them. For who knows how long. It was weeks originally. Who knows how long it's been now. And uh, he is sick of it. So he raises Catabasis. Catabasis. And Catabasis is like. What are you doing? Like you you promised that you'd keep me. Keep me dead until. You found a way out. And uh, Gilgamesh is basically saying. Right, this is a way out. I can't carry you anymore. I've sacrificed everything. I'm sacrificing everything. Uh, he says, sever our light or they'll rip you apart for a thousand lives. And he gestures yeah. to the scorn. And uh, they they have like a big falling out. Uh, Katavasis says, you wouldn't, Gomesh. Your deaths are heavy, Katavasis, but I'll bring you back as many times as it takes for you to learn. He doesn't. He does not understand. You think I feel pain? You think I don't suffer while you're hiding in limbo? Katavasis lurches forward. I did everything you asked me to. You left, I shout. You left me here. You left me in the city. Made me turn away from the Traveler. We're like the scorn in those tanks, drowning in panic, confusion, forever. You did mm-hmm. that. The city was burning and I wanted to live. Everything was so we could live. He still didn't see it. This place is no different than Seoul. A barrel of blood. There's no reason to go back. Now the light is burning. So... Right there, this place is no different than Seoul. They are not in our galaxy. Like, if you were yeah, kind of here. on the edge of believing what I was saying before, they are not in our galaxy. Yeah. <laughs> we can survive this, Katabasis holds out his palm for me. Please, I don't want survival, Katabasis. I drift away from him. I want salvation. It got to you, Katabasis sobs weakly, his epiphany complete. You can end this for both of us. It's your turn to sacrifice, I offer. And so Katabasa says, everything you say is a lie, and he grabs for his rifle. Lever to action, shot to nothingness, ghost to dead memory. And remember at the beginning of all this, I asked you if you thought if if you thought it was the locust speaking to us in that message or Katabasis, and I said, I mm-hmm. think I'm gonna convince people who thought it was Katabasis, and then he died. Yeah. Gilgamesh says the way out of this barrel of blood is to sacrifice themselves. And whether Katabasis saw that too and sacrificed himself or died and was given salvation by force, I feel like that is what released the glycon from within the anomaly. And that's it was sent drifting out into the reef, at which point the locust, who speaks in the voices of the dead, sent that message out. Yeah, definitely. Well, there you go. 
yeah, that's that's the end of the book. Crazy book. Crazy things happened. And uh, I think we have uh, a little more time if you want to talk about the flora for a bit. So um, I said how there was something that I wanted to say later on because I kind of have the the this big thing about them about it and uh when did i say that okay yeah so uh osiris calls them sarcophilus growths and if you were to like look up the word sarcophilus to see what it means i'll look it up just to uh have it in front of me Sarcophilus is a genus of carnivorous marsupial best known for its only living member, member, the Tasmanian devil. I think it has nothing to do with Tasmanian devils, and I think it has everything to do with this idea of a fungi that feasts on the dead of living people, mm-hmm. specifically, like living sentient animals. Uh, so your, your cabal, your fallen, your hive, your human, your awoken, you know, your scion, all that. And we also got the Taraba from the Kalos raid. Also that. Yep. Uh, Yeah. The, the crown of sorrow, the Taraba, uh, Taraba, whatever it was, uh, has, uh, isn't that a Wolverine? No, that's a Tasmanian devil. That's a Tasmanian devil. Okay. So then right there, that's another, uh, connection to it. What? So. Uh, a, a while ago, uh, I actually just went on uh, uh, Spinfoil Theory podcast, and I, I basically said the same thing. I came to this conclusion while on the show with them, and uh, a few days ago I said on Twitter how uh, there are two entities in the universe. There's life and there's death. And so we know from the Nine that in a world of only light, everyone lives forever. And who has the most to gain from a universe where everything lives forever a parasite right because they 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 eat people they eat on people who are still alive they don't want people to die because that means their food source is going away right and when the traveler came when the light came to the system so did the reptilian parasite the ahamkara and they were such a, a fascination on venus that everyone started going there for their protein and so the opposite end of that is the darkness. In the darkness's world, thanks to the Nine, we understand that everything is dead. And parasites don't want dead, but fungi does. A sarcophilus growth, something that only eats on dead living creatures, not like plants, wants dead living creatures to eat. Kind of like Drifter as well. Like he likes to go around yeah. killing things and eating them. Thing. And that's what I that's why I think he has them on his ship, because he's like, Yeah, we're like brothers, you and me, weird plant thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. And so the Ahamkara follow the, the follow the light. And this fungi that came from the anomaly follow the dark. So Interesting. That's kind of where I'm at with it. And I think I don't think the fungi is a darkness ability. It's not it's not flora, stasis, and whatever else. It's stasis, something else, something else. And the flora is its own entity on its own that might also use a darkness power. So if you were to say that there's the stasis power, a taken power, and a poison power, that the flora, the fungi, would use the poison power itself. Right. 
you know, like right. that's how we'd get the poison power introduced to us. Makes sense. I've been kind calling like them Arthur's. Huh. Sorry, what? No, I was just saying it's kind of like a parallel. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. interesting. That that's what I think about the fungi on the glycon, and I think that's one of the reasons why it was so important that they they be sacrificed to be let out of the anomaly. Um, if they're if they're alive, they can explain what it is. You know, they have firsthand experience with it. But if they're dead, it's now just existing in our system, and we go on it. And like you said, with the weapons, the weapons are actually supposed to be like thematically from the. Uh, what happened there? Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry about that. You got you got big screen on me uh, for a minute. It, like Rhino said, with the weapons, if uh, if the weapons are supposed to be like the tarnish on the gold, it it sounds like the the flora is actually coming to fight us soon. It sounds like this is the beginning precursor of a new enemy race, because when you really think about it, if we align with the Cabal, if we align with the Fallen, and if we don't align with either and we just kill them all, that's two primary sources of enemies that are just gone. You're telling me you think that the game can survive on Taken and Vex and Hive, which are basically just Taken in the first place? Like, we need new things coming in. I I very much so believe um, that we will see that and uh one last thing uh so in the season of the drifter which you know all the seasons had their their own little banners the season of the drifter banner specifically actually shows the flora item behind him and you can even see the tendrils coming out uh from the hall here but this is what he stands in front of in Gambit. Uh, this, this, I think someone in, in chat actually just said Venus flytrap. This like Venus flytrap like plant. And uh, so yeah, I, I think we're gonna be seeing like a plant based enemy type, which would also fit the uh, the enemy scene from the Black Armory papers, which were said to have uh, smelled like wet earth. Like that sounds kind of like a fungus to me, in my opinion. A fungus or a mold. But yeah. So that is going to be it for this episode. I'm going to keep this up because I don't like looking at Big Face Me. Uh, that is going to be it for this episode. If you want to find more of us, we are on Twitter at Lose Cannon Show, just like it's spelled here. And you can find, uh, if you came in late, if you if the beginning was kind of messed up and you want to listen to like the first 20 minutes over again, you can find us as a podcast and on YouTube, you know, Lose Cannon Show. Find us wherever it is it should be everywhere because uh anchor distributes it everywhere and uh that's gonna be it for us for me this week uh our next episode will fall on the 7th of march march 7th and we'll probably unless something like really huge happens go back to the clovis braid journal and then we'll start working through all the the lore books that we've been you know like building up across these couple seasons here so have a good one everyone bye